0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Kyle. I just wanted to hop on here real quick and say thank you to everyone who supported the show and for being a guest on the show these last couple weeks. It has been, without a doubt, the most trying time in um, our industry's history, and I know a lot of you are struggling right now, and just know that there are a lot of uh, people, including myself, who are behind you and who have you in our thoughts and just wanted to make, uh, make it known that I'm available for for whatever need you may potentially uh, need, whether it's just some insight, if you just want to talk, if you just want to blow off some steam and just let it all out, uh, please feel free to text me at 631-965-1300, and we can set up a time to talk. Um, In the meantime, I'm going to continue to have guests on that are offering a variety of perspectives uh, from across the country, and uh, hopefully you'll find it either as an escape or as some sort of resource to help you cope with what's going on. Um, If you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to have a certain question answered, again, please text me. Uh, I'm here for you guys, and um, I think the way we get through this is uh, by hanging together. So um, stay strong, uh, keep your head up, and above all, stay safe. Enjoy the show, guys. Hey guys, my name is Kyle and Sarah, and I'm what most people describe as a restaurant guy. I have one purpose in this podcast and on all my social media platforms, and that is to do my part by sharing my experience and what I've learned in helping to reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. Look, I didn't do everything perfect. I don't have all the answers, but what I can share with you is my experience, what I did right what I did wrong, and what I would do exactly the same. I'm also going to have guests on who are going to tell their story and help share some of their insight so that you restaurant owners and operators can learn from other people in the country, realize that you're not alone. A lot of these issues we all have had, we've all experienced, and collectively we can do our part to help make sure that restaurants continue to thrive in our communities and continue to be sources of uh, employment, places of gathering, and whatever comes in the future, we're all going to do it together. So this is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, Bill, thanks for joining me, man. I know you, uh, we kind of talked about what was going on before this, but why don't you introduce yourself? Let's just start there. It's going to be a wild story, so I'm excited.
1: Uh, My name is Bill Reed. Uh, I'll be 38 in 15 days. Um, And I'm currently residing uh, for the part-time in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Uh, Me and the family picked up and drove down here. It'll just be a week, a week today. Um, And uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia, but I've been living in New York now for 17 years. All right. And I mean, there's a lot more to that that story. Tell us how you wound up in Florida. Let me shut mine off. I'm just going to shut mine off. All right. I don't want you to worry about the feedback. Sorry. Yeah, I can do it. you can face... Yeah, you got yeah, your... Yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. How did I end up in... Where? I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you gave a little intro to yourself, but I think what we got to talk about here is the restaurant and how you wound up in Florida. I mean, okay. the story you just told me there. So,
1: Okay, so... I, I, obviously, everyone is at a time... Uh, you know, a sensitive time, so I think everyone's going to have some really crazy stories. Uh, but uh, we packed up and drove down here last... Thursday night into Friday I drove 15 hours and then I got to the southernmost tip of Georgia and said I got to pull over I didn't really want to stop obviously you don't want to rent a car now like I was telling you before or stay in a hotel um so we did stay in a hotel and before we went upstairs I did the whole Lysol thing went to the room and acted like a frantic I'm a dad of two girls so you know as much as I want to be scared sometimes I can't uh yeah so um, we drove down there, we slept over in Georgia and then made it to Grandma's house in Sarasota the next day. Um, we left just in time uh, from what I've been hearing from friends and family up north and from what I've been seeing on the news. Uh, being around the kids, obviously, you don't get much news time. It's like <laughs> when, I'm the, when I'm on the toilet, I'll flip it on and then I'll flip yeah. it off really quickly. Um, and i think that uh luckily enough i had we had a place to come where the kids could have some space and get their mind away from everything that was bound to happen which was even just homeschooling and uh our tiny apartment was getting real tiny and yeah, man. Uh, it was uh we live over top of my business um so we've had the business there it'll we were going into our 7th year uh it was almost halfway done my lease i have a 15 year lease um And the business was doing really well. Um, Very tough decision to try to sell a bar restaurant. It's not easy. Um, I think for the most of the projects that I've been a part of, uh, you kind of wait for that business just to die. Yeah. uh, As opposed to trying to barter with them on what they have and what you want. And it's like, listen, you're selling it for a reason, good or bad. You want out. So either you're ready or you're not. And the feeling I think of failure or giving up um, fucked with me a lot. Can I curse you? Yeah, man. Okay. Let it so fly. That's, so I think that was the biggest um, hurdle personally. I knew we had a great business. I knew the space was great. Uh, I think in my heart, I was looking for working partners. Yeah. Um, I knew that would be tough. Um, how were you guys but- set
0: up? I mean, you, you were the only op- working partner, or do you have some silent? How, what was the setup?
1: So the setup was me and my wife um, uh, after my first restaurant was open about five years, um, which was called the Brooklyn star. It was only a few blocks away from where I opened. Uh, my wife had a child, our first child, and I really wanted to be a part of that. So uh, I trained someone uh, to do my position, which at that point uh, I went from like operator front of house to mainly GM to mainly like checking in on staff. So I needed someone that was gonna step in for me uh, on staff that wanted a little bit responsibility that we could trust that people would actually listen to them, right? So we did that and uh, I never went back. Uh, The restaurant ran smooth. Uh, My partners held it down. Um, I got fully involved with with raising my my first child. My wife had to go back to work because I was our main source of income and she's in the fashion world. So, I mean, it was like 28 days she was back. Um, wow. So I stayed home and I did as much of the dad work and, you know, feeding as I could. And, um, and then I really, you know, I was ready to go back to work, but kind of didn't need me. Yeah, right, right. Uh, right. Place was running. I wasn't drawing my salary. The business lasted another five years. It, it lasted the term of the lease. Uh, they, re- they decided to buy me out. About a year after I opened up my, sec- my second business, um, mainly for that reason. Like nobody wants a salary non-working owner. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> just it hurts the business. It hurts everyone. Yeah, so, and I was kind of half one in, but this was my new thing. And I didn't want to, you know, I, I, I want to keep my friends, which is hard in this business as well. Yeah. Um, so one day me and the wife and the baby were walking the dog and we went a different way. We never went before back towards this ghetto dog park we heard about we want to see how ghetto it was yeah, people yeah. With dogs ghetto pretty nice. yeah so we we went to the park and on our way back we went which i thought was like a, a funeral home it was a catering hall and uh there was a woman outside and she was hanging a flyer for uh frankie frankie valley impersonator with all you can eat italian dinner for 1995. that sounds amazing signed up right away spoke to her um i think i came with like 10 people three three of my friends who you know ran roberta's one opened best pizza who's now you know he's all over Vice. like these yeah. the, it was a crazy crew for us being so young um and we went to this place it was carpeted it was it was it was <laughs> tuscany carpeted restaurant it, it was a lot it it was tuscany <laughs> in the in the in the bad 80s yeah um But you know what? She did the best she could. It was grandmothered in, literally. It was her great-grandmother, her grandmother, her mother, and then her. Um, She put out a banging um, spread, you know, uh, obviously buffet style. She crammed about 100 people back there, uh, which was so against fire code. Yeah. Um, And it was kind of one of those places that nobody thought about that. Like, this is – behind the bar was her husband. Dishwasher was her son. The door guy was her cousin who kept the cash next door in their house. Aunts were serving up the food. And when I tell you, I felt so home. You know, I felt like I'm in someone's basement. Um, So long story short about the beginning, uh, we had our dinner. We danced. We had fun. We met Frankie Valli. Um, (laughs) We bought a CD. And... uh, (laughs) On the way out, we were doing a drink with the bartender, who I learned was the chef's wife, uh, husband, and she came out of the kitchen. She said, everyone had a good time? I was like, yeah, she's covered in gravy. You know?
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: And uh, she's like, I hope you had a good time because this is my last event. I think it was, it was, it was between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, she said, January 1st, I'm gonna put, put this on the market. It's been in my family for 70 years. And right away, I said, "What are you looking to get and yeah. right away my my wife kicked me in the shin. I still have a, <laughs> I, when it when it rains it, it I still feel it um, thirty days later, I had a lease Wow um you're a restaurant broker man you're in you're doing deals all over town i mean i mean that's you know and even looking thinking about that road and where how we got there um even before that, I mean, um, before I had that lease, I helped my friend Ivan Orkin, you know with his projects, Ivan Ramens, and we looked at spaces that on Clinton Street, and I was like very in- involved more so in like the designing of the how the front of house would flow and the pinch points and where people would come in and if it grew, where could we get stuff out and I liked that part of the operational side, but uh, I helped a-, a couple guys who um grow a, a food cart business into a, into a franchise, uh, uh, taqueria. And we brokered them to be the Mexican cuisine that's offered at Barclays center.
0: Oh, nice!
1: And, and I'm like looking at my resume as I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> what, what is LinkedIn? You know, cause I never fired myself yeah. before, you know? And I'm like looking at all this stuff. My wife's helped me build my resume again. And I'm like, she's like, well, what do you want to do now? You know, cause I've done, A lot of different things uh and i i i really was stumped because like yes i could do this yes i could do that yes i could do this but what is like really pumping me up um and i think it's the event side unfortunately it's not the money side or the glamorous side but uh i think i have i'm at my best when i'm under pressure and kind of when i know i'm getting myself into and with catering and events you kind of know what the subject is, and who's going to show up, and right, you know, it's more more predictable, you know, yeah, more predictable than what's going to happen on Wednesday night, you right. know. Um, but humble, yeah. so humble
0: and Jackson, when you signed the lease there, it was a full functioning restaurant,
1: right? They were no, it, every day. No, no? no, it was a. What, you're saying before or when? Yeah, before, like
0: when you were there for the Frankie Valley stuff where they were just straight, they just did events. They, and, no, and, they
1: were just, they were, they were, they were only a private club. Right. So she could only have so many events. Um, it had to be ticketed. It couldn't be, there was no cash bar. So her liquor license was for catering only. Right, right. Um, all those things I learned the hard way about how I was going to swap that over and who I needed to rub the right way in my community board. And, you know, obviously having the restaurant that I had opened before gave me a little leeway with, hey, this guy's in the neighborhood. Yeah, right. He's got a family. He's opened this place. There's nothing on the record as far as us doing any wrongdoing with the neighborhood or any patrons. So, so when I opened that place, my license was for a catering hall. I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be a catering hall, but literally, Kyle, I had no business plan right now think of think of it yeah. right you're having dinner yeah. with your wife yeah. and 30 days later because <laughs> if i didn't get the lease this was my thing if i didn't get the lease it didn't matter what my business plan was right and you know you, you can't raise money without a plan so right a lot of people a lot of people just bet on me on the horse right right, right. yeah uh some verbal deals some uh I'll buy as much wine as you need me to buy. One of my wine suppliers like gave me a personal loan. Um, wasn't legal at the time, but yeah. he paid he paid for my sound and my audio. Yeah, because I I was running out of money. Um, but to secure the lease and for the length of the lease and how much how much I was paying for the lease, I knew that I wasn't going to build a business with my experience that was going to not afford the lease.
0: So you were going into this knowing that you were going to be doing just catering and events or your, your intent was to eventually switch it over,
1: right? I mean, I know you the, have to talk about the, 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 um, it. Liquor, the, the liquor side of it, um, I needed to switch over to, right. um, you know, to, to, to dine-in restaurant. Um, so no, I didn't want it to be all events, but the first few months were just events. And what that's what, where what I, the
0: timeline was that when, when we did the pop-up there with Pompettino? When How far into you, because I'm just thinking how I remember the space.
1: Yeah, you guys were doing, uh, when you guys came in, um, it's my wife, Pam. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, when you guys came in, we were serving wine, beer, and our own food, but our own food was uh, prepped in the kitchen, and delivered and executed behind the bar. That's right. Yeah. So, I remember that because was, I, knew, I knew what it took uh, yeah. financially to run a kitchen, and I was not, I didn't have it. Yeah, right. Didn't have it. Yeah, right, right. Um, so I used the kitchen to, like, make our house sausages, prep my mom's meatballs, and then I'd have a crock pot behind the bar and, you know, the convection of it. So wine, beer, and then we would do pairings. You know, you get this chicken liver mousse. And it's funny, the guys that wind up, you know, buying me out had a lot to do with me getting into this safety net of Florida right now, because thinking back when my first restaurant had a fire, we had to raise money. We did, we threw a party in their space and that's kind of how I met them. Um, when, when we opened Humboldt's food program, we served a lot of their house-made charcuterie, um, We've thrown a few beefsteak events, like big table steak, all you can eat, uh, just crackers and and beer, with them. Um, so it's funny that they were kind of like my um, my saving grace.
0: Yeah. So now they're the so they're the ones who I mean, can you mention their name? They're the ones that kind of came in and, and bought that you broke the deal with. They took over the space.
1: Yeah. After showing this, my space to what would they say Tom Dick and Harry? Yeah. <laughs> I almost, I almost sat down and inked a deal with two guys from Long Island who had a lot of experience. Uh, one guy was bar experience. Um, I, liked, I liked where his head was at. He was all about driving the numbers down. And I knew with a couple simple changes <coughs> and little investment, if we did a few of his ideas, I knew we would have made some money faster. Um, and then the other partner was Kitchen. Him and his father own a couple restaurants in Long Island. Um, and they do a lot of catering a lot. Um, so I thought, hey, well, that can help with our back room being full because it's 110 seats. I have,
0: yeah, that's a big space.
1: So if it's not full, it's kind of like, what are you doing here? You know, maybe the space is too big, maybe it's just the bar room, which is 35, uh, 38 seats. So I was battling that with that a lot. So, you know, long story short, that deal didn't happen. Um, And, and then I think I threw out a lifeline walking through the butcher shop one day. I mentioned it to my buddy Brent before he owns uh, the meat hook, um, super involved in the neighborhood. Like they've been there as long, as long as I've been there. And, uh, I said, Hey man, just throwing it out there. I got this great lease love for you to have. it if you guys are interested or if you know anybody, right. He said, he could be around there later on. I like to come by with my partner ben and we'll, we'll take a look maybe we'll think of something I said okay so they came by and we chatted and i think after like two months we figure out they were honest with me and they said bill listen we kind of want to do our own thing um as much as we know you're a good operator we love you to death if you're walking around here it's going to be like your place with us being here and it's not really good
0: transparency good communication
1: yeah because without that, I was I was like, hey, I'll be the third wheel. Like, you guys do the food. You guys do the marketing because they have – I mean, they're really great. These guys right. are super talented. They have, they have a team. All of that load off my plate, I always felt like I couldn't multiply myself. So I couldn't be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I couldn't cover the books, fix the leaks, throw yeah, the burgers, you know, that kind of stuff. So – if I had some partners that were willing to work and get dirty with me, I knew the business was going to make money. I mean, to be honest, I paid back a hundred thousand dollar loan almost a year faster than I thought I would.
0: Right. There you go.
1: That's so, I mean, I the. What's,
0: what's important to mention here is that like somebody in your situation is basically taking on the responsibility that I'm familiar with. You're going to have to present these guys, whoever these Tom, Dick and Harrys, the meat hook guys, the long Island guys, whoever, if they're going to take over the space, you're going to have to present it to the landlord. So you're vetting these guys out a little bit, right? You don't want to waste your time, right? Am I right on that?
1: Well, here's the kicker, right? So I have, a, I had a pretty amazing lease. The lease was non-assignable. Ah. So my goal was to show you the mountain. I'm going to be the mule to bring you up there. I'll work. I'll do it all. I just need a little help but I gotta remain a partner. It didn't matter if I was two points, 5%, 10% in an arm. It didn't matter. Right. As long as as she was dealing with me, we were in this together. I could have five partners. I didn't really want a money partner. To me, as much as as you need them, and to all money guys out there, I will need you one day.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You really really need um, a lot of hands-on, um to run a restaurant no matter how big or small because that one guy that you love isn't going to be there every night so there has to be there has to be another guy or gal that one cook can't cook the burgers any differently than the guy on tuesday so you need a lot of you know this you need a lot of hands on the clock for it to work yeah um so in order for them to get the lease i would present them with the numbers here they are we yes we could do better this is what i'm thinking these are the utilities I need to get down. If we put some money into this and this and this, we can get that down. Um, I worked so hard to build a relationship with the music venue that opened up around the corner. Um, money was coming in, you know, from that. And then we had parties in the books. You know, I had 18 parties. That's why I, That's why we didn't close any earlier. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up on these parties that we had. I mean, I had everything from bat mitzvah to wedding rehearsal. And I think, so, that, and
0: you and you're, you, did a lot of pop ups. I mean, that's how we wound up there. But you were doing a lot of pop ups with chefs, and you had a lot of ideas for that. I thought that was great because that back then, pop ups were just kind of becoming a thing, and you were kind of the destination spot. I forget how we found you, but I remember that being that, that had to be. I'll, a big, tell you, I'll tell you how
1: exactly how you found me. Uh, we won't get too far into it because it's 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 long. But <laughs> long long story short, I basically, in every second of free time, I would DM. Everyone I followed, and everyone they followed. Because if you followed Popatina, then you followed this place and you followed that taqueria. And then I just would say, "Hey, I have a full kitchen. I have a hundred seats. If you ever want a party in Williamsburg, then you right. know the deal. You guys yeah. took the food. Yeah, I took the drinks. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, what what I what I hoped in that, and what I saw when I did pop ups for my other restaurants when people would come in. Was I had a whole new set of eyes coming in, Um, a new reason to come back. Um, So, these are the, I'll tell you the minuses of that. The pluses are I get to jump on your bandwagon. I'm a new restaurant. You have 5,000 regulars that maybe don't live in, um, in Long Island. Maybe they live in Brooklyn or Manhattan. Let's get them over there, right? So, I pulled, before you guys came along, I was pulling basically cards out of my box from. The GM at Roberta's. That, that traction alone, Roberta's leaving their, um, their backyard to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. to go to go anywhere was kind of, they weren't doing it. They right. were doing their mobile oven, so it was on their terms, but they weren't cooking in your restaurant. No, I remember um, that. Now, the guy that was running that program was a really good buddy of mine, and he knew what we had. And he knew he could bring the people. So for him, he knew he was going to sell a shit ton of pizzas in a new venue. And at that time, I believe uh, that's when square pizzas were just starting to hit New York as like, maybe we'll try this. Yeah. So because I didn't have a brick oven, they did the square pizza thing. And then you got all these other, I mean. Forget- and, that's how,
0: and that's how we were, because we were back and forth. I remember being like, how are we going to do pizza? That's kind of our thing, yada, yada. But. You, yes. guys,
1: came, you, guys, you guys came to that, right? Yeah,
0: we came to that, and that was sort of like the impetus to say, oh, if they can do it, we can do it. So then, right. yeah, now I remember. So, right. how long did that continue? Because, I mean, I remember you, then
1: you were kind of toying with
0: uh, some other things. You were maybe going to turn it back into an Italian place, and you were just oh, kind of man. like,
1: yeah. Wait, so when you don't have the business plan, you kind of have like an etch a sketch, right? Yeah, yeah. What worked last year? Okay, you know, we did, I think we did maybe $250,000 from July to January we were working. My wife was waitressing. Uh, I was, I was doing everything. We hired two people, uh, low food costs, but you know, I couldn't really stock a bar. Um, like I said, it was all our money and all the money that we had went into the build out and the last minute, Oh fuck. Um, this one thing about the kitchen was never finished or finalized on paper for the city. So I can't even open until this gets fixed. And I didn't know any of that there's 20 grand there. There's five grand there. Holy shit. I think we opened with 400 bucks. Yeah. yeah like yeah. $400 yeah, yeah. is what we had. Yeah. I wind up getting a loan. Thank God for my uncle. Um, that held me over for the first few months. Um, but we stopped the, uh, we started to go heavily into the pop-up thing in the beginning. And then the ones that stuck like this place called ragoon who opened their own restaurant after doing a few of them, uh, they kind of, got uh, a really nice article right up in uh, New York magazine. And then Kruger took some good pictures and they wound up opening a place called ragu noodle lab. Um, they were Burmese food. And when I tell oh, you, they yeah, had yeah, yeah. they had their, their crowd and now their crowd wasn't like cramped in someone's apartment. It was like a sit down restaurant. Uh, I was just in charge of delivering them a good service and making sure the staff, which was tricky, knew their product and yes. could answer questions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried our best. I remember, um, I
0: remember that that whole piece of this was going to be your waitress. Yeah, that's. I mean, you you were balancing. You were spinning all the plates over there. I mean, that's not that's not easy if you have one restaurant with one concept. Let alone if you have a different
1: restaurant coming in every week. So yeah. that so that so that is the. The biggest inconsistency with that business model. Yeah. Is oh, I was here on Tuesday. I had this great, fried, you know, yeah, red devil's yeah. cake from these Italian guys. You're doing namwa, Chinese food? So yeah. I don't really eat Chinese food. I'm allergic to nuts. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, right. So at some point, um, I said, well, let's, let's get away from our small menu. Let's just let's do full dinner, but let's take it back to what it was. Yeah. Let's do Italian. I got the, the chef is still in the building. I'll ask her for her puttanesca. I'll ask yeah. her for it all. Um, we'll put a burger on. Because
0: burgers no were
1: hot at that time too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well no one was actually doing it in our neighborhood. Right, um right. which was crazy to me. Now thinking back. And then you know you know this from experience, what you learned and what you would do again are like you would just be like, Why didn't I yeah. why didn't I have a burger from day one? You know? Yeah,
0: like, yeah. totally.
1: I don't want to do that. Um so 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 the inconsistencies of the pop-up part was not being able to deliver the same product continuously right uh for for example uh, i would try to offer some of my food but not all of my food because that's why you're there yeah um when black tap came once again they came with all this this was before they even expanded to multiple shops i mean i got those guys when they had one shop. yeah they came in and they took everything off my back bar and they put all milkshake machines all my beer fridges became toppings and ice cream on uh, dry ice. Yep. <clears throat> when you guys came in, you guys used did the kitchen, which was awesome. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, you know, that business model was not going to survive the trend of the neighborhood. Right. It would help me get book parties. People got to come in and see the space. Hey, what do you charge for the back room? And I, At that point, I was like, just come in. Give me yeah. a deposit. Come in, I'll make money on the food and beverages. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know what to charge for the room yet because I was so desperate for business. I was just like, come on in. We'll do your wedding rehearsal. What do you got? You yeah. know, that kind of vibe. Eventually, it got more standardized. And my oh, yeah, food.
0: you got you to piece it together, of course.
1: I mean, hell, hell yeah. You got to yeah. get do it. So I, was, I would say by year, by year three, we were full on food. And that's when, um, that's when I made a desperate phone call to my youngest brother, who was a chef in Philadelphia yeah and i said could you be could you could you do me a favor and and come up here um i need someone i can trust um i'll let you live in my apartment until you get on your feet um and i'll pay you right away and uh he was in my apartment in a few weeks so he he started our food program um he slept on my couch he jumped around you know how it is when you're young my brother was 24 um living in brooklyn and it
0: doesn't sound so bad
1: yeah, he was you know, eventually he met his wife here and he moved back
0: home. So oh, sick. Well look, I I know yeah, so. we have a lot to talk about. I just have Zoom has us like limited to these timelines. So what I wanna talk about now, I don't even know when we might get cut off. I think they give you a timer, but anyway. So you had the business, you had the idea to to get rid of it, you got rid of it at a very opportune time. In the current climate, it seems like this was the right time to get to get rid of it.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so year three, four or five, we're starting to roll. Yeah. We're starting to really gain a good neighborhood following. I finally broke down and put a TV on the wall. I finally broke down and bought cases of Budweiser. Uh, we've, we started <laughs> to sell more bar food. We did wings. We did things we didn't really want to do, but we did them. We gained everyone's trust and, and then we started rolling. When you start rolling, you're busier. You actually, need more help. Luckily, exactly. I was held down by my staff. My staff was amazing. They've been with me for years, not here, but everywhere. So everyone was really good on that front. But I was getting stretched thin to the point where I, I, I didn't want to go back to work. Right. I didn't want to deal with it all. It was it was weighing heavy on me. Um, so then my wife said, Why don't you just get rid of it? Go talk to Joanne, tell her what's going on, and see what she says. So I said before I go to Joanne, I need to know I have something lined up because that talk with an older, older generational Italian woman, yeah, right. it could go a million, it could go a million different ways in her head when she gets home. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to present her with, "This is my plan. This is what's going to happen, and I'm going to make sure it happens exactly how we're talking now." So before I went to her, I tried to find a buyer or a business partner where I didn't have to sell anything besides my shares, right? So, uh, showed a million different people the place, it felt like uh, I was trapped in a tornado. I was like, oh my God, who was that guy? He went to put a Korean barbecue here. Oh my God, that would yeah. not work. What the fuck? You know, going through all the emotions. So eventually I threw out that lifeline to my friend Brent at the meat hook at the butcher shop, hoping he would just know somebody. And they came and looked. They told me they didn't really want any partners. They kind of wanted to do their own thing. They were already gaining a brand. I said, no problem. Let me talk to the landlord, had dinner with the landlord. I told her my gripe and how I didn't think I was going to be able to do this on my own and business partners were slim pickings. And that was probably going to be a bigger headache for her than me just letting go. And I found these great guys. These guys have been in the neighborhoods in 2004, 2005. Um, they're friends of mine. Um, you know, and she's like, well, "Why don't they want you to be uh, in the business?" Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had to explain that. I had to sell her on that, and why that made sense for them. Um, I told her, "Hey, if I just came in and said I'm going to be your front of house guy, would you still be in the kitchen making buffet food?" Yeah, right. She yeah, So you no. go. Good analogy. Yeah. So, so um, you know, we talked, and she said, "I like to meet them." Obviously, we we did that meeting. And then we started talking about numbers. It wasn't about numbers in the beginning. It was just more like, do you want the space? Let me see if the landlord will let this happen. Because I don't want to get too far one way. And then, hey, sorry, guys, I can't assign this lease. Of course. (laughs) So that started in November. So by Christmas, we knew that they wanted the space. Nothing was written down, so they could have pulled out anytime. By, by January, I had to talk with the landlord. And then I said, okay, guys, well, I have a business loan. I'm going to be upfront. I'm going to be transparent. I'm in the hole a couple bucks to Amex. I took a small business loan out so I could update my HVAC. Mm-hmm. I updated a couple of refrigerators that were going to go down at any moment because I was hitting year five. And they, you know, because um, they wanted to space right away. They wanted to space in February. And I was like, Can we wait till April. Mm. April now, April. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll pay this, I'll pay this loan off by then. And then, um, what you guys will be giving me for the business will actually you'll be giving to me and I want to be paying off this loan. Yeah. Um, and they could have said no rush. Take your time. We understand. They asked me how much I owned on the loan and they made it a part of the sale price. Wow. Wow. Uh, January, I, I have uh, Valentine's. No, beginning of February, which was hard. I had to tell everyone. Regulars, uh, all my people that helped me with Brooklyn Steel, booking people before shows. Um, and everyone thinks that you fail. And that was my biggest concern was like, what happened? It was always busy. It's Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like what did you, like almost like what did you do? And it hurts, you know. You're like yeah. you're like fuck, man. Like you, you it's don't not want what to I did, but story, it's
0: story. But you do want to tell them the whole story at the same time, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I actually got to do that, luckily, with friends of mine who write very locally for the Green Pointers, which is an amazing. Yep. Super local Greenpoint, Williamsburg vibe. They they came in and they wrote word for word what took me a while to actually say it's hard right yeah i didn't want to leave i didn't want to leave but i knew i couldn't do it i got these kids yeah. i'm like fuck making them live in an apartment above the bar i'm not making much money i'm 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 full of life but i'm not really like if my wife like i said if my wife lost her job i'd have to sell the bar right right and for years we were like oh are we going back home to philadelphia where we're from are we going to move to florida well she's like you know you have the bar we can't really leave you can't really leave so now I announced that we're leaving, and we we you know obviously everybody wants to say goodbye. We did yeah. numbers. We, I was like, "Holy!" Sh-. Like I knew it was going to be good. <laughs> my brother knew. My my brother knew it was going to be good, but we weren't we weren't ready for everyone showing that much. Like literally coming in every fucking day until we closed. Wow. So you know that emotion, and then you know I do a lot of our events. I host a lot of them. So that weekend, I did everything I could pour out. Right. Karaoke, drag, uh, trivia, uh, DJ dance party night. I mean, what was the drag name? What was the
0: drag name again? What was your drag name again?
1: The last one I was Billy eyelash.
0: That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. That
1: was the, that was the last one. I, yeah. I, I've done it five times. I, I did it, uh, you know, almost three times uh, a year uh it it, it takes a lot to become a woman let me tell you um but my name was always in it and people always could relate to who the drag was because i wasn't really trying to impersonate a woman it was just bill with amazing makeup all right so the so the 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 last event was the drag show and um i tried to come in there on a on a stallion (laughs) um the horse wouldn't come he could have fit through the door but my experience led me to believe he wasn't going to be happy once he came in. because No one knew what was happening. Everyone was just told to turn their phones on and be quiet. And the room had about, I would say it was about 65 people back there waiting to play trivia. Oh and the horse wouldn't go, through, wouldn't go through the front door. <laughs> that's, so we um, had everybody come outside and take pictures. And it was a blast. I mean, it was a blast. We had a lot of fun. So, so that's Sunday night. Monday, 8 a.m., I had to be on Wall Street to sign papers to give the bar to these gentlemen. And it was a long fucking night. And I also had to remove some personal items because before we even sold the bar, we were already booked to go to Florida on that Tuesday. My daughter's birthday. We're always down here for my daughter Mella's birthday. So it was kind of a weird timing. Like, bar closes Sunday. Monday, we signed the paperwork. Tuesday we're leaving for Florida and it was a couple of times where I'm like maybe we should delay Florida make sure all this happens my yes. wife says no because that, that gives you an out yeah right I remember like just getting down there and like you know hitting that Florida air and I still had a little mascara on and I was like you know
0: <laughs> how that dumb. was one hell of
1: a ride you know I wasn't a boss anymore you know you're Email stops,
0: yeah, dude, no I, one's I bugging you I tell you that that is I equate it to be what it must be like when soldiers come back from Afghanistan, like your eyes are open to a different world, like saturday where why are, where are we gonna go Saturday at two? I have to be, no, I don't, I can be here,
1: yeah, yeah, the anxiety of, of and no one like really needs you anymore, yeah, 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 right, exactly oh so that was so that was Feb, that was February sixteenth
0: wow so now you got out just before so you're not facing any of what's going on here so i mean well i am in a different way yeah um i mean personally i had
1: uh, i had a I, well b- before we were closing i was already itching on something to do right i think yeah. i text you about a bagel business yeah. i was yeah, yeah yeah my wife said take 30 days this is my daughter Mella. Hi. hey happy happy birthday my and my wife said, I take 30 days. And um, that's Billy. Hey. She's, uh, she's up. Hey, Billy. Um, so on, I, I had met a girl the last week we were open. We connected her on a lot of stuff. Uh, she does film. And um, I said, let's, let, let's start a promotional company where we can create these neighborhood events that I did here. In other neighborhoods and kind of do like a tour so maybe people could like try these other places but maybe the trivia is bringing them in or the bingo is bringing them in or the open mics bringing them in and uh, so we started a a LLC it's called a bar near me Um, it's actually the highest rating Google search for nightlife and it was available so we bought it and it's just basically a creative way to get people in the bar that you really don't have an investment for. So we'll do everything. and um, and we so we started to do that. I had five restaurants in the month of April, starting April Fool's Day with a comedy show at Silverlight Tavern. and then April eighth over here, Tax day over here with live music. So we booked out April. Um uh, tickets were selling. like you know we're 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 moving. We're creating a website. we're happening. Yeah. and then you know, end of you know middle of March. I was in Philadelphia celebrating my wife's birthday, and it started to get a little weird. And then by end of March, it was like, oh, shit, what are we yeah. going to do? And the bar wasn't really holding us back anymore. Luckily, my wife can work remotely for now, so we just got the hell out of there. And then all of a sudden, New York got really bad. And so I like, we just dodged a couple bullets, you know? Yeah. It's been, been a wild ride. And like I said, when we first started the conversation, I feel like that little – not why me because no one should really say that but like was it karma was it just perfect timing even for the guys that bought the place they're not screwed either because they demoed the whole place kyle
0: yeah oh wow
1: wow everything kitchen she was
0: was not she was not open to an assignment i'm surprised she let that that go you kind of kept that structure pretty much intact right i mean so yeah 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 i I
1: kept everything intact i just did the updates that were that need to happen with right. that year of New York, you know? Right. Um, so, so they're in a good space. You know, they're doing construction slower than they wanted, but it's not like they have customers ready to come in. So, um, and I've, you know, we've helped each other with contacts. You know, who was that person at the venue? Can we talk to? And all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're really good guys. Any questions they have about the space, I'm right there. Yeah. You know, what's behind that wall? What, what's this? What's that? So, um, but I do feel really bad, and I. And, but I do know Kyle that if I was up there, I would probably be bankrupt, mm. and I and I probably be living in fear for my children way more than I am right now. Yeah. I still am, but wow. no, walking good. around Williamsburg is a lot different than walking around Sarah, the Venice, Florida. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you you, yeah. You, did, you did the right thing by your family, and that's admirable. And I know. I mean, the one thing I know about you is you're a restaurant guy, and you're always going to land on your feet. So I think you know you dodge a bullet. But I mean, um, it seems as though you know. I I think for everybody, restaurants that are in it now, and guys like you are looking to start something new are going to. There's going to be a boom after this. If you can ride this out, people are going to be so pent up and want to get back out and do their thing that it's going to be, it's going to be a boom. Right? You got you to go out there to to, you got to go back out. The to- good, the good and the
1: bad is I I, I mean New York was great. Uh, I moved there. I was 22. I got married at 23. Um, I'm 38 in a few weeks. And I think, I think I'm honest with myself. I think I'd done all I could do there. Yeah. Um, it's exciting to, to, you know, selling the bar gave me an opportunity to have a couple bucks to maybe finally feel like I can lay down some roots somewhere. Um, I always want to buy a home. There's not many home buyers in my family. So, yeah. um, if, if if that comes out of this and I get to move back to Pennsylvania plus, is kind of the plan right now, um, then, you know, I, I, think it, I think it was all worth it. And we did – you know, like I said, we never had a really a reason to leave New York. It was like the bar, my wife does well in fashion business. Right. But now, looking look at it from afar, it's like I think this is the right time for us, you know? Not because we're scared and everyone should come back to New York who left and I think people will – I mean, New York is probably – the unsafest yet the the biggest family um all at one because i was you know i've seen it firsthand living there um and i know that people will rally but i do have a a couple sad stories of friends that aren't going to be able to come back from this yeah right and it's a shame it's inevitable i mean because you never seen it coming you never would have seen it coming I mean, logistic to your point
0: like these old school Italian restaurants, do you remember that, you know, they would be notorious for like closing for two weeks in August and saying, well, we go back to Italy. They would save all year to take those two weeks off. So like some of the guys I deal with, they're like, well, how much cash do these restaurants really have? Is it really that bad? I'm like, dude, you're paying tonight. You're paying bills from 45 days ago with the money you're making tonight. So you're, there's not like this whole stash of cash where you're like, let me just hold on to this for a
1: rainy day. And it's, they I just, got really good at it. I got really good at it uh, the last six months. Yeah. yeah. Like when, when I knew I could keep as much as I could, I would like, and that's when my accountant said, Bill, are you sure? Cause you paid back the loan. And you know, if you figure you paid back the loan in a year, that, that could have been your money. Right. right. You know, you're yeah. like, well, if I, if I took 250 bucks out every day and I paid off this loan, wow. Like I could have put that in my pocket or split that between me and the wife, like, you know, yeah. whatever. So there were so many different ways this could have just, just an example of those guys saying, "Well, will wait till April.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Dude, I mean, look, that's, your timing was perfect and I don't mean to cut you short, but I think we should actually do a whole separate podcast on how you did that because that's, that's a preparing for sales, what you basically did. And a lot of people are, like you said before, they're not even, they're just like, they got to sell at the bottom and then they want this ridiculous amount of key money. I mean, you were very hands on and you were, you know, obviously preparing. Key, key, does key money still exist in New York? it didn't exist before this and it sure shit is not going to exist after this yeah
1: so yeah. Well, well thanks for having me on man i always want i've been watching them and i've always wanted to do it so uh, and and yeah. like you like uh, when i met you you got you were you were you were kind of like uh, transitioning too i mean yeah. you know seeing what you do and how you're more on, more on the real estate side of it now is it's inspiring man and it, it lets me know that like as much as i love to do the day to day Maybe I'm built for another part of it, you know?
0: Yeah, and I want to tell you what, something that's going to come out of this is the knowledge that you have for people who are in the shit right now because of what's going on. There's going to be value to that. So keep your ears open for people who are looking
1: for help like that. Yeah, well, you can catch me on LinkedIn. Resume's all over there. <laughs> yeah, Hell
0: yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. Be safe down there, man.
1: All right, man. Take Talk care. to you soon.
0: All right guys, thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I want to take a second here and just remind you that like I said earlier, my goal is to help reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. So, what I did is I went on my Instagram and I created a link to my calendar, and if you head there and you click the link in my bio and you scroll down, you'll see that there's a drop-down menu there and it says 15-minute phone consultation. So, if you're a restaurant owner operator and you just have a quick question, you don't know where to turn whether it's about operations whether it's about a startup how to find money or what to do with this particular server whatever the case may be i am there for you it's a free 15-minute phone consultation and i'm here to help so if you need it you know how to find me and continue to listen and support the podcast I would love if you would uh, share, comment, review, whatever, all that fun stuff. Uh, and I just appreciate the love and support at the Beginning for this. So we're going to keep cranking them out. And if you're interested in being on the show, please hit me up. Best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram, or you can always text me at 631-965-1300. Thanks so much again, guys. I'll tell man.